I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything school, HQ, basketball, football, baseball, doesn't matter. Everything coming up. Tennessee volunteers, all orange, all the time. First timer uh, since the Florida Gators went 6-7 and seven in back-to-back seasons. The Florida Gator <laughs> alum, Trevor Sigma of PFF. Trevor, how are you? You just had to remind me about that, didn't you? Yeah, uh, no, I'm doing well, fellas. Appreciate you guys having me on the podcast. Uh, anytime I get to chat, a uh, little ball, a little life, a little everything with you guys, it's a good time. So I appreciate you having me on. What was your favorite touchdown in the Oregon State uh, Vegas Bowl game for the Gators? Um, you know, I'll have to uh, go back and watch the tape and get back mm-hmm. to you on that one. Yeah. I, you know, I got to say, I got to say, choose from. don't use Oregon State on him nor me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't appreciate that. Well, that's because you're an Oregon guy, too. Yeah, uh, thank you for pointing that one out, obviously. Yeah, well, you had uh, everything coming up Oregon right now. Uh, everything's good. Bo Nix is good now, which is like kind of crazy. Like, never would have yeah, thought that was going to happen. With so. that jawline, it was only a matter of time. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I actually do have a uh, category in my scouting reports, just like mm. jawline. And then it's just like, how defined is it 1 to 10? And that's... You know, I've found that's actually the biggest um, telltale sign of success in quarterback mm. is the jawline. So it's all confidence. What's the weirdest thing you actually do? Like, or what's maybe not weird, but what's different about that you look for uh, in quarterbacks than other people? Where they're like, oh, I didn't even think to look for that, or that you've you scout or you find yourself paying attention to when you're at the Senior Bowl or anything like that. Is there anything specific that you are for whatever reason drawn to as a skill set for a quarterback? I don't really know about anything like out of the ordinary. Like obviously quarterback is so much more of a um, a mental position than anything else. Like so much of the rest of the game demands such a high level of physicality. And like, yeah, obviously a quarterback, you've got to have a good arm. You want to be athletic. It helps you be a dual threat quarterback. It helps you bring assets to your team. But I, outside of like hearing stories, which I probably can't tell most, um, the, the, like the hand size thing is always the funniest stuff to me. Like mm-hmm. the, like the, it's, it's always funny. It's like, oh, this guy, cause what, what, what the best part is, is that guys will get measurements at the senior bowl, like three weeks before the combine. And then if their hand, if they have like short hands, uh-huh. they will hire like hand massage therapist <laughs> to try to like stretch their hand just a little bit to hit these 
stupid thresholds that some of these teams have for quarterback hands. And like, I, I just, I, the, the hand size circus is always just the thing that uh, I love the most. I just want to say that I mean this with my whole heart. It's dark magic, which witchcraft, this whole hand situation, because me mm. and Kyler Murray have the same size hands and I can't throw a football. Like I physically, it's too big for my hand. But if you do the measurements, me mm. and Kyler Murray have the same size hands. So it's, I don't. Do you? Yeah, literally. I, I went out of my way to measure it. We have the same size hands. What was Kyler's? I, I was like five and three. I don't even know. I don't know. Let me, let me look. Because Kyler did have small hands. He did. Are they smaller that was than Kenny Pickett's or no? Uh, yeah, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, so Kyler's got nine and a half inch hands. Burrow had nine inch hands. And I remember like that was a big hubbub. It was like, right. it, it was like, <laughs> oh, hey. This guy broke every record there is to break in college football, but the hand is small. It ended and up also, like, it gave like, us the best tweet of all time, too. Unfortunately, I've just been informed that my hands are not good enough for the NFL, and I will be ending my career here. It's always you know? the best spectacle. No, Kenny Pickett's were, like, insanely small, but I think it was because, um, I can't remember if it was his pinky finger or if it was his thumb has like a hitch like mm -hmm. on uh, on yeah. on his throwing hand. So when you literally like stretch out Kenny Pickett's hand, I think it was his thumb doesn't fully extend the way that you would need to because when you measure hands, you go from the yep. tip of your thumb to the end of your pinky. That's that's mm. the hand size that you measure. So like Kenny's thumb doesn't fully extend. So he <laughs> lost so he lost like almost like a full inch on his hand size just because it's not because he has small hands it's because he couldn't stretch it out which obviously doesn't really matter for throwing a football so what would that make his hand it if it could stretch it out normally would it be bigger than burrows or right at burrows i don't remember i think i think if people i think if they measured the other hand it was like above nine so like wasn't that big of a deal at all whatsoever hmm. but people yeah. like to freak out about it it's also funny, too, because I feel like if you get in that zone, can he pick a... Does he sleep in the gloves? Is he just, like, required? Like, when yeah, you sign the so. NFL contract, yeah. like, you are a glove yeah. guy? Yeah. Every time? Like, he, I've never seen his hands. Like, he's he, only he, been in the gloves from he likes the, the beginning gloves. to the end. Yeah. It works. He's he's getting better. He's getting, seeing some improvement. Yeah. Steelers are winning games. I mean, what are you gonna, you can't complain. Look, you no. don't have to look, you don't have to spend money on like, you know, disposable gloves, you know, like yeah. for germs. You know, like you don't have to yeah. spend money on like driving gloves if you want to be fancy, you know, driving mm -hmm. a date around, you know, whatever. You don't have to you don't have to do that. Um, you know, you don't have to buy like a loofah because you've already got gloves on, so you can just shower with them on, you know, it exfoliates yeah. the skin. Like it's just it, it might actually just be a pro strat from Kenny. Right. Pickett. And honestly, like guy. not to be like, you know, thinking about the wrong things here, but let's talk about accessorizing, right? Like mm. there's different colors, you know, different True. materials. You can go full leather, oh. right? You can do mm -hmm. studded, maybe not on game day, but like there's just the possibilities are endless. Brother, you're talking about somebody who, when I start a Madden franchise, I will <laughs> change people's accessories because if they're wearing something that I wouldn't wear, then I mean like, look, look I, I let guys, you know, like have their freedom, you know, have their you know, creative ex expression. But you know, if you're wearing something that's a ugly accessory, it's not going on my team. I don't know what 100%. to tell you about it, so. I was always a towel and visor guy in the accessory department that I would add to all my players. like. You just if you don't have visors, you're not on my team. See, like, but you can't do it with everybody. Oh, you can. It's all no, intimidating. Everyone's got, coming you out of the. Can't do it with a couple of guys because then you mm. know who the stars well, you're are. You're not you know doing. You're not doing a visor on an on a guard. Why not? 
You don't want to see a guard. Elijah Wilkinson with the visor is a totally different player than the Elijah Wilkinson we see week over week. Might be, it might be true. Might be mm-hmm. true. Listen, man, if I see a pair of like leather gator boots, <laughs> you know, on me, mm-hmm. it's going to look a little bit different than if like Lamar Jackson is wearing it. You know what I mean? Like, mm. As some things that I just can't pull off, there's some things that guards can't. Hey, we've all gone in the. I I shouldn't say we all. Have we all done the leather jacket phase in our 20s? Where we're like, we no. can do this. Guarantee, right. I'll bet my whole life that Trevor has worn a leather jacket. <sighs> do I have a leather jacket? Right well, actually, now? though, no. But you you lived in Florida. That's just like insane. Yeah, but yeah, but it's like a fashion statement. You know what I'm saying? Mm, like, I think right. I had a. I think I had an H and M leather jacket at some okay. point. Um, shout out H and M. There you now, go. now a sponsor yeah. of the podcast. <laughs> I would say, who doesn't like H and M? Good Again? deals. At H&M. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, I, think that, we, I don't think I have a leather jacket in my closet. I, don't think so. I like it, which naturally leads us to uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who... Um, yeah, this is good. Good. Yeah, I good mean, tr- they're... Good transition. It, the, hey, uh, we're both hosts here. We're, we're all pros on this On this. Brady does probably have a lot of leather. Oh, dude. Brady <laughs> absolutely play, does Brady's got leather on, like, places that you didn't know leather went on. Like, That's true. Mm, Brady might have leather on his like fridge. You know what yeah. I mean? Like a fridge door <laughs> handle. It's leather. No, the whole fridge is. The whole yeah. not, not the fridge is leather. Ice, ice cube tray, leather. Dog. I remember when I found out that like leather was like a, a, an important thing to like for this. I remember this girl like asked, she was like, you don't have leather in your car? Like I remember that was something like 15 years ago. I was like, mm. is that a thing? I had this yeah. piece of shit Honda Accord and it was just obviously no leather seats. And it was just like one of those, mm, you didn't yeah, spring see, for leather? Is that a, and that was like a, a big deal. Like Chase, yeah. I gotta seats. tell you, you yeah. know, if you're, if you're wondering, if you're asking, the WRX had leather. I'll tell you that much. <sighs> the WRX had leather, had leather so. Yeah, mm. yeah. I it's a, that kind I, of podcast. My last, my last, uh, my last car was a Challenger. Uh, yeah. I don't have it anymore because I live in a city and I just get to walk everywhere, but uh, it did have leather. Yeah. yeah isn't that isn't that wild like i just didn't know and i was like i'll never buy another car without leather seats like it was yeah one of no, those yeah, yeah you have to you have to yeah. yeah so there you go um which actually brings us back to tom brady <laughs> and uh we don't have to get into the leather aspect of tom brady's wardrobe inner workings of his kitchen this that and the other but um his team is going to host a playoff game uh which is pretty wild given the kind of season that uh, the Tampa Bay buccaneers have had trevor um are they going to be frisky? Are they going to beat the Cowboys in round one? Is that just how this has to end? Or do the Cowboys... I mean, we should also preface, the Cowboys can still be the number one seed in the NFC uh, no, after not. next weekend, correct? No, if the Eagles lose and they win, they win the NFC East, right? Isn't that Let's, still... Hey, listen, we only have Trevor for uh, a little bit of time. Yeah. <laughs> We're not wasting it on the Cowboys. In that. Well, no, Math- they will play the Cowboys most likely in round mathematically, one. Mathematically, yes, they can win the NFC East. Because if the mm. if the Eagles lose and the Cowboys win, I do think the Cowboys win the NFC East. Um, but they can't be the number one seed. I no. don't think that's going to happen. Uh, simply because the Giants are who the Eagles are playing and the Giants have nothing to play for. So I got to imagine that their starters aren't going to play the whole game and the Eagles have everything to play for, right? They win, Mm. they get the bye. So it's, it's just as simple as that. So I, and I, also the 49ers are going to win the NFC. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, of course, of course, of course, of course. I forgot, I forgot. Um, no, but it does look like it's going to be Tampa versus the Cowboys and, um, Tampa feels like they match up well with the Cowboys. They've... 
beaten the Cowboys the last two times that they played. It just feels like Tom Brady always gets up to play this team. Um, there's not a lot of areas right now where I could say that I have total faith in the Buccaneers executing their offense or defensive game plans the way that they need to, but it's Tom Brady in the playoffs. And that's the ultimate yeah. trump card on everything is that I can look at this Buccaneers team and I can tell you this team is a massive disappointment in every single area this season. And I would be telling the truth. The team is a disappointment in every single area, some more than others. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's Tom Brady playing in the playoffs, hosting a playoff game. And it's against a familiar foe. It's against the Cowboys. He's beaten them before. They're getting healthy down the stretch. They obviously had a great offensive output against the Panthers. And so, as weird as it is to say, yes, I could see this Buccaneers team winning a playoff game because of the matchup that it's against Dallas. I I feel like Tom Brady was just saying to the world with the way this game ended like he's just chilling all 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 season long hanging out right he's going through his marital problems handling his personal life you know doing the family thing and then right right two games before the end of the season goes hey in case you guys were wondering in case you guys forgot i'm gonna throw three touchdowns to mike evans and I don't mean to be that guy because I think Steve Wilkes deserves the job, but Tom Brady might have just become the reason why Jim Harbaugh becomes the head coach in Carolina. There's like some things that are happening in in you know correlation that like you know pieces are falling, and I gotta say that was uh was a very definitive game for Brady to finish the season out. No, it's obviously that's a lot of momentum for them going into the year. And I'll tell you, you know, when you look at the reasons why this Tampa team has been so disappointing, I think at the root of all of them is the team was just like mentally broken for whatever Mm. reason. I don't really understand because you go into the year and everyone predicted the Bucs to, of course, win in the NFC South. They did, but it was with a record they didn't really expect. A lot of people thought that Tampa would be a double-digit win team again, an easy victory here for the division, and they haven't been, and they've really struggled. And going into the year, you go, okay, Bruce Arians steps down. Todd Bowles now wearing the head coach headset, but it's the same exact staff other than Arians. Heck, Arians is even still there at practice. He's just riding around on the golf course. You know, he just has less responsibilities. You know, the whole rest of the team's basically still there. They don't have Gronk. They don't have Antonio Brown, which were obviously big pieces to the offense last year, but it should pretty much be the same. They really shouldn't struggle that much. Yeah, they had injuries, but every team in the NFL has injuries. The weird part about the Bucs is that it's like they stopped believing they were a good team or on the flip side, I guess they just could not get out of their own way. It was like when bad things happened to this team, they could not stop the snowball effect. They could not stop the avalanche. And it just didn't feel like a, a Tom Brady led team. That was obviously never something that was a characteristic of when Arians was the head coach over the last two years, Arians teams have never been short on confidence for as much as you want to say about them, maybe not executing the way that they need to, maybe not having the talent that they needed to Arians teams have never been short on confidence. And and I think that teams naturally take the identity of their head coach. And that's just how Bruce Arians was. I think we all under underestimated or even just didn't know the effect that that was going to have with the changes, because that's ultimately Mm. what it's been for me. They've got the talent on the team, even with the injuries. They just haven't believed. You go back to that first Panthers game that they played in Carolina. Mike Evans drops a bomb touchdown pass in which he would have walked into the end zone on the third play of the game. And after the game, he says, oh, I watched the life uh, drain out of us when I went to the sideline. It's like, hell, what? The third play of the game? 
against a team that you should easily beat. You saw the life drain out of you. And that just, that spoke volumes to me about where that team was mentally. So all that to say, I don't necessarily think that what we saw last week in Carolina was a total fluke. I do still think the properties of their success that week can be, um, can be accounted for when it comes to playoff time. And then for the Cowboys themselves, man, Dak's been turning the ball over a lot over the last second, the second half of the season. And anytime that's the recipe, you're giving Tom Brady more possessions. It's a road game. That's why I think this is uh, a pretty even matchup. And I don't know. I really don't know who's going to win it. Do you think that like the injuries to the offensive line, like preseason, mm-hmm. is that like a gut punch that maybe did that? Cause I mean, I remember we all were like, Oh yeah, the, the bucks look good this year. They can compete. And then it was like, you know, you're starting tackle center, whoever it was. It was like, oh God, like it's his entire line. And mm-hmm. then, you, like, is that uh, is that maybe where the confidence kind of shrank? Yeah, I, th- I think that there's certainly logic to that. There's definitely truth to that. Ryan Jensen, he's their center, but also he's like a leader of the team. Like he's a vocal leader. He's a fiery leader. He's an attitude, tone setting leader. And they lost him at the beginning of the preseason. So like that sucked. They were already down Ali Marpet, who retired right. sort of surprisingly during the offseason. And then they lost Alex Kappa, their other guard in free agency. So now all of a sudden, Jensen's hurt, Kappa's, ret- or Kappa's gone, and Marpet's retired. That's three of your three interior offensive linemen that you're now replacing. Robert Hainsey plays center. It's like, okay, he's a decent step in. They got uh, Shaq Mason in a trade, which was good. Shaq Mason's an experienced guard. But then I think at left guard, they really struggled to find the right guy. I think Nick Leverett has proven that he's the guy, the best player out there for that left guard spot. But it took them like 12 weeks to realize that. They were yeah. rotating left guards in there before they really figured it out. Tristan Wirfs missed some time with injury. Donovan Smith, their left tackle, took a step back because the offensive line wasn't as solid next to him. So he became the most penalized offensive lineman in football with his mistakes. And all of that goes into then Brady. Now he's getting the ball out of his hand faster than any quarterback in the NFL. His time to throw is as low as it can possibly get. Mm-hmm. Shooting against the Arizona Cardinals two weeks ago it was 1.88. It's it, it, what, what wide receiver is getting open in 1.88 seconds? And he's just getting the, rid of the ball in an average time of that, which means that there were throws that were faster than that, mm-hmm. knowing that how an averages work. So that's uh, it, it's it's a lot of things go into it. Certainly it all starts up front, but that's kind of the way that I see how the Bucks kind of got to this point with that. Last thing on the Bucks, true or false? Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles, and Jason Light are all still with this team at the start of next year. Uh, false. It's got to be false. It has to be false. Mm. Um, Byron Leftwich can't be the offensive coordinator on this team next year. Uh, I, now, I, I will. I guess I will say this. I don't know what happens with Brady, and if Brady leaves if he retires what if he's just not in tampa next year then all of a sudden maybe it opens the door to say like okay new new thought process with the quarterback position maybe you bring everybody back because this is the super bowl staff right it's not like they're Mm -hmm. like looking to move on from these guys easily they've got a bond of a super bowl ring all together they've been on this staff for four years together so i know they have a lot of continuity with each other a lot of friendships a lot of relationships but it just feels like at least Byron left, which has to be gone. The, the offense has was so bad this year in so many different ways. I feel like he's going to, uh, I, I say scapegoat, but maybe deservingly so, not going to be the offensive coordinator next year. <sighs> I think because they make the playoffs that Todd Bowles is safe. A lot of people would tell you that he shouldn't be, but I think that because they made the playoffs, he's going to be safe. And then I, I do think Jason Light's fully safe as GM. Do you trust Bowles to make the next OC hire? No. 
I mean, I yeah. don't, I don't really, I don't really trust Bowles as a head coach at this point. Yeah, his tenure in New York was was bad, and obviously him taking over with this team, uh, it's been a massive disappointment. And so, I think Todd Bowles is one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. I think he's a brilliant defensive mind. Not everybody's cut out to be a head coach. A head coach is a different breed. Plus, you look at a lot of in-game decisions, whether it's two-minute drills at the end of the first half, two-minute drills at the end of the game, timeout decision-making, um, conversion decision-making, going forward on fourth down or kicking a field goal or whatever it is. I've been on the opposite side of a lot of Todd Bowles' decisions in that regard. Sometimes it's worked out for him, but uh, in those times, it's it, they've needed a lot of luck for it to go their way. So that's also some, something that goes into me not having a ton of faith in Todd Bowles as a head coach. We all can't have Hart, Arthur Smith roaming the sidelines and creating uh, their own new uh, Derrick Henry uh, with uh, Tyler Algier. Many are saying the next Derrick yeah. Henry of the NFL. Um, Evan Swords, 49ers still cannot lose with Brock Purdy. Um, the one, uh, the biggest thing I was wondering about from your perspective is they gave up the most amount of points they have since their last loss, which was 2KC. What did Vegas do that you saw uh, against this 49ers defense that was different than what everybody else has done to this point against them? I mean, everything you could say about Josh McDaniels being a failure as a head coach is valid, and we could talk about that. But I, think, but I, I mean, it's whatever. But the reality is, is he's still a really good play designer, and he had the defense in some very bad positions um, a few times that game. Mm-hmm. When you think about a 49ers team or any team that is trying to make it to suit to the Super Bowl, a team that's won nine games in a row, the one thing you kind of have to say to yourself is you don't want them to kind of let off the gas. You don't want them to, uh, whether it be mentally or, you know, the motivation um, to really slow down or stop. And I, I talked a little bit about, about like, you know, I want to see Brock Purdy have some kind of adversity. Like I want to see him as like, it's silly to say this, but I want him to have some kind of adversity before the playoffs. And then Brock Purdy in post, you know, post game interview was like, I'm glad that I had some adversity uh, going into, you know, playoffs. And I think looking at the way the Raiders game ended, do you want the Raiders to put up that big of a fight? No. Do you want the 49ers to almost lose the game and have it, you know, an interception be what really ends up winning the game at the last second when they were driving? No, you probably wanted the game over sooner. But when you're when you're going into the playoffs with a very good defense, one of the maybe the best in the NFL, uh, and obviously an offense that since Christian McCaffrey has joined the team, he is unstoppable. The only question is going to be on Brock and. He got his adversity. Uh, you know, he, he definitely had some poor throws. I think it was at like six or seven charted throws that were probably not great. Um, and he, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think he learned how to go out there and win a ball game. I think that's what's important, right? Like he's talked about how in college, you know, I've had these moments, but in the NFL, it's different. Um, and so not to be this like never ending optimist where like my team can don't do no wrong and the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, and all that, but it's like if if you want your 49ers to win the Super Bowl, like you feel like this needed to happen, and and I'm glad that it did. But the 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 key points that I do want to to mention though is like I don't know if there's words to explain how impressive and how exciting and how amazing what Christian McCaffrey is doing. Like mm. like we were all excited to see. You know, it was always like a what would it ha- what would happen if the best running back in the NFL were you know was with 
Kyle Shanahan. What if Kyle Shanahan had a, like a real, real RB1, right? All these things. Like, I mean, Trevor, you're as unbiased as it gets, right? You, you AFC fans, literally from the other side of the country. Mm-hmm. When you watch this team and when you watch Christian McCaffrey, like, did you even expect this? Is that, What is it like for you to see it? I mean, he's one of the best talents in the NFL, no doubt about it. And like when this trade went down, it was sort of difficult to parse because, you know, there's a lot of me that really does believe that the running back position in large is replaceable. You know, there there are a lot of running backs that are either currently in the NFL or uh, have come through the NFL that are, that are genuinely replaceable. The, the 49ers the, have led that narrative. They are right. like 80% of the reason why people believe that. And, and But there are, I think that people miss this part. There are still rare backs that are the exception. There are fewer. There are much fewer running backs that I would tell you are the exception as opposed to wide receiver, corner, pass rusher, quarterbacks, certainly, tight ends, right? There are, there are much fewer guys that you would say are the exception to the rule. McCaffrey's one of them. McCaffrey's mm. absolutely one of them. It might be McCaffrey, Derrick Henry. As like these like one of one skill position guys that you cannot replace no matter what. Nick Chubb might be in there as well, but like Nick Chubb's style of runner, I mean, like we're we're gonna see, I feel like, guys that could come through and maybe not do exactly what Nick Chubb does, but how far is the return on investment? What right. McCaffrey brings to the game is insane. McCaffrey brings so much great ability as a rusher and a receiver. So the, and you pair him now with the best offensive head coach in the NFL feels like in in Kyle Shanahan I'll, I'll respect to Andy Reid because I think he's the, that he's up there as well but and Arthur Smith that was of course of course of course um and Byron Leftwich uh yeah. you know and <laughs> that's the that was the thing about Christian McCaffrey is when I try to talk about the trade it's like did the Niners give up too much yeah like on on paper yeah they did give up too much but every time I had this conversation I made sure to say make no doubt about it this team is much better now because McCaffrey's there because he is rare. Hmm. So it's just it was one of those things where it's it it was a, it was a wild trade because they did give up a lot to get him, but they are in a position to win a Super Bowl because he is on the team. I don't hmm. know if that would be the case without him. And for that, yeah. it'd be 100% worth it, right? So that's how I look at the McCaffrey trade. And the last thing I will say is, and I, I, my gosh, you know, I will knock on wood. But the the big thing is anyone paying attention to the trade was like, well, you know, he has an injury history. The running backs on the 49ers have injury histories. Mm -hmm. And that's something that has to be accounted for. And I, you know, I got to say the first couple of games, every time McCaffrey ran the ball, I cringed. I'm like terrified. I'm like, please be okay. But like... Kyle is not holding back on using him. He had no. ni- 19 no. rushes. He had six receptions. He ran for, you know, he had almost 200 all-purpose yards last week. Like, it's the end of the season. Like, Kyle very realistically could be using Jordan Mason right now, who's, like, averaging 5.5 yards per carry. He still has Kyle Juszczyk that he can do gadget plays with. He can throw the ball to George Kittle, who's now become the best tight end in the NFL again because he remember, you know, the team remembered that they could use him. Like he doesn't have to use Christian, but he is, and so far so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're. I think they're the. I think they're the scariest team in the NFC. I do. Hmm. I think. Th- I think. I think they're the scariest team in the NFC. 
Uh, certainly with the way that Philadelphia not the is Packers beat up right now. No, uh, and in Dog. fact. And in fact, I, knew Evan was gonna hate I will that. choke you out in <laughs> front of all of these people. I it, swear to God. In fact, I do think that it's going to be Packers 49ers in the first round. Please, mm. dear God, there are there's a list of teams that I want to play. It's the Cowboys. I I don't play football. That I want the 49ers to play. It's Cowboys first because they deserve it. They deserve it. The fans deserve it. Mm. But the Packers, just because the history is beautiful and he doesn't... Packers don't have... Are the Packers a better team than when they had Devontae Adams and they got boat raced by the 49ers in the playoffs? No. Objectively, no. Are the 49ers better this year than they were when they boat raced the, the, the Packers? Objectively, yes. Yes. I'm not, I'm not, you know, hey, I never graduated college, but the math looks good there. <laughs> <laughs> He's all in. Um, last thing. Uh, on the Falcons, mm-hmm. Trevor. Mm-hmm. So they don't make the playoffs. They win. Uh, Desmond Ritter had a really, really beautiful throw uh, at one point to Michael Pruitt uh, in this one that nobody watched uh, against the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> it's just we, one of those. We actually said that when the game-winning field goal came up on red zone, mm-hmm. we were like, have they showed one play from this game? Like they it didn't was, need to. What, what was the final score? The final score was like 19 to 17 or something. They kicked yes. the field goal at the end to win. So, yes. this, so the score was 17 to 16. <clears throat> So yes. they scored a combined more than 30 points at the time, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Red Zone did not show them one time. Well, it was the fourth quarterback in four weeks for the Cardinals, David Blau. Uh, Blah? Blau? I don't know. Blau. Listen Blau. to the whole game. You gotta, no, trust yourself. Trust yourself. You got yeah. it right. Okay. You got it right the first time. He, um, he was not good. And no, the Falcons no, secondary no. still gave him time. And this, the pass rush, the Falcons, is just never going to happen. And I'm at this point where falcons fans are there's always this mutiny of like the one guy i don't want at number six and i wanted to bring this into number six is where the falcons look like they're probably gonna be picking at six mm-hmm. i am preparing myself mentally for Bijan robinson there because the falcons and terry Fontenot has oh, drafted no. offensive best player available the last two drafts in the top 10 kyle pitts two years ago drake london last year and then he goes defense and then he's like all right let me shore up the other stuff but i'm going bpa offense uh in the first round I um, can I'm see just, it happen again, and I'm not ready for it. Am I? Am I crazy for thinking that they will go Bijan? And if it's not Bijan, because they're not going to be available, like Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, guys like that are not going to be there. And then you're like, do you reach on Jared Verse or whoever at six? Like, I have no idea. Cause so many Falcons fans wanted them to lose that game on Sunday because it's like, let's get in that two-three zone, and then we have mm-hmm. our pick between either Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. I don't want anything to do with Jalen Carter yeah. uh, and the snaps and the uh, just. No, give me Will Anderson. He plays every snap. The guy's a menace on the edge. I'm always going to go edge over defensive tackle. Um, Trace, dude you're getting, you're getting, you're getting, you're getting yourself thinking. all excited right now, man. We have, to, we have to accept the fact that you're taking Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, the no. tight end. No. It's going to be another tight end at no. pick six. It's no. just the way that the Falcons <laughs> exist. You'll be running double sets. It's great. If they draft Bijan, so I will say Bijan Robinson is of the Christian McCaffrey mold. Mm. Right. Like he is he is one of those players that gives you plus ability basically in every way that you could deploy a running back. Mm. Short yardage situation, home run situation, first and ten as a slot receiver, as a receiver out of the backfield, like he brings you all of that. I'm not saying mm. that he's Christian McCaffrey yet, certainly, but like just I mean, you go watch his Texas film. Uh, he's untackleable. I mean, the force miss tackle rate from him is just insane. He's got great hands. He's such a good receiver. He gets yards after the catch. He gets yards after contact. He's got phenomenal vision. He's got wonderful feet. Like 
He does. He, he is of that Christian McCaffrey mold. So any team that's drafting Bijan Robinson is getting a good football player. You just want him to go to the right team for the right value. Um, if the Falcons drafted Bijan Robinson a year after getting Tyler Algier late and seeing this much production from Tyler Algier, that would be um, objectively bad given how many holes they have on the rest of their team. It's like B. John Robinson. If they draft to B. John Robinson at six, it's like, hey, cool. Can you rush the passer? Like that's like the the only question that basically matters. And I do hear what you're saying. Like if you miss out on Will Anderson, what do you do? Um, I'm drafting defensive line. Nope. Like mm. I'm drafting Brian Brzee. I'm drafting Jared Verse. I'm drafting Miles Murphy. Like at I'm drafting. Well, I mean, like you can if you like a lot of these guys. If you have faith in a lot of these guys, maybe you could trade down because you mm. might be in a nice spot for some of these teams that are right behind you. Like. um Carolina's going to need a quarterback. I know you're probably not going to trade in the division, but Carolina needs a quarterback. Las Vegas needs a quarterback. Uh, Washington Commanders are going to need a quarterback. Tennessee Titans might need a quarterback, but right? You know, you know who also needs a quarterback? Well, the, the Falcons, Al- maybe. The Atlanta Falcons. Fl- I don't think so. Ritter, we have our Alex Smith. Like, I want him to be this quarterback, the team's okay. quarterback for the next five years, build everything else out, and then once everything is good around Desmond Ritter, and if he's still not that guy, because okay, you can well, win a lot I, we, of regular season games with Desmond Ritter. He's getting only, better every week. He doesn't throw picks. He's super smart. That guy, he's, I, I'm okay. telling you, he's going to win so many regular season games for your this hat, team. Your hat is literally glowing right now. I love glowing. Desmond Ritter. I know so he can't wanna, win a Super Bowl for us, but he's competent. Hold on. I just want to ask Trevor while we still have him. Mm. Obviously not is it a good pick, but is there a quarterback that could end up at six that the Falcons might go, we are not expecting this. We got to take them. Yeah. Uh, like, are they taking C.J. Stroud or Will Levi he's if he's there? He's gone six, right? There's yeah. no way Stroud's at six. I mean, he might be a sick. Well, I would have told you. So if you would ask me this question a week ago, I would have told you there's absolutely a world where CJ Stroud's available at six because mm-hmm. I know that not every team was super hot on him. And there's a lot of reason to believe that, right? Of course, there's the product of the Ohio State system where, yes, you don't want to get in a, a habit of scouting the helmet, right? And just be like, oh, Ohio State quarterbacks are bad. Like, you don't want to necessarily do that. But you also can't take a guy out of his system entirely, right? Mm-hmm. You look at what Ohio State has been. Their schedule's unbelievably soft. They've got five stars everywhere, five-star playmakers five-star offensive line five-star running backs right and so it's like okay sure you're a facilitator but what'd you do in the big games ultimately the question comes down to what do you do when pressure mounts two years ago cj stroud's pff grade in, under pressure was low 60s low 60s hmm. is fine like low 60s is a, is, is a fine grade under pressure this year before this weekend against georgia cj stroud's grade under pressure was 38 he was one of the worst graded quarterbacks in all the fbs when dealing with pressure now you go to the georgia game the college football playoff game and i said before the game fair or not so many opinions of this guy are going to hinge on this game if they're Mm. good people are going to love him they're going to overlook some of the stuff that we've seen over the last year or two if it's bad his stock might fall man they might be like i told you this guy couldn't couldn't hang under pressure alone cj stroud had an 82.6 grade which is stupid high that is amazingly high. That that just shows you how well he played with adversity in his face. And I genuinely believe that if Marvin Harrison Jr. was healthy for that entire game and he was available for that entire game, Ohio State wins and Ohio State's playing for the national championship. That's how well that offense was playing. That's how well C.J. Stroud was playing. So, all that to say, I would have told you a week ago that yes, absolutely a chance that C.J. Stroud is available at six. Now, it is still possible 
it is much less because mm-hmm. of how he ended his college football career. What we think going into the draft. But I think oh, like, that he'd be like if like if he's on the table, if Will Levis is on the table. Oh my like, god! Don't like, you dare! Those don't guys you dare, could Trevor. be in the conversation. The what? NFL's oh gonna love, the NFL's gonna love Levis. The NFL's gonna love Levis. I don't know what to tell you, Chase. You just gotta accept it. That's it's, why it's, it's Richardson or Will Levis, I'm going to lose my absolute mind. It, I Arthur Smith's gonna look at Will Levis. He's gonna be like, "This is my Ryan Tannehill." No, but the, this is the thing about the draft, and I, and I know we're we're over time. I'll say this. Trevor hurt my feelings. We are Sorry. going to have to wait to Sorry, see no. what Seattle does. And I don't I don't know that anyone really knows what Seattle's going to do and that's going to that's going to be just this damn breaking. It's like once they make their pick if they take a quarterback or if they go DL. They have they to go, go Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. Well, listen, right? I get it, but like Seattle and that fan base and everything that Gino did, do I think Gino's good enough? No, I hope they keep him. I love the guy. He's a great story, but like if they don't take a quarterback, what if they swing for a free agent? Any of those things that could that could push the quarterback position down a bit. Mm. Um, we'll end on this. Twenty seconds, Trevor. Mm-hmm. How many balls get drafted, and where do they go? Uh, so it would be. I mean, Hinton Hooker. I, I have I'll, no uh, idea. I got, I'll reel him off for you real quick. Hinton Hooker. Where does he go? What round? Somewhere on day two. I don't know. I don't know what people are going to think of his medicals and his age, obviously. But I think that he'll probably go like late, like late third round. I would okay. Jalen Hyatt. Um, end of the first round or early second round. Cedric I Tillman. Say. I don't know where Tillman's going to go. Um, mm. probably somewhere on day two though, because the the league just loves receivers. Uh, Jeremy Banks. Mid round pick, I would say. Mid round pick. Last one, Darnell Wright. Uh, I think Darnell Wright's got a chance for the first round, but probably hmm. because he plays right tackle, I think there's there's a chance that he could also be a second round pick. But he played well against some good competition. You also didn't say my guy Byron Young. The, the oh, Byron Young. There. Excuse me. Yeah, Byron Young as well. Byron Young is going to probably be a fringe second round pick. That's a lot of high picks for the balls. That's got to be the best balls draft in a really long time. They have a lot of really, they have a a lot of really talented players. The team's really good. I I ultimately think that surpass Florida. I think Darnell Wright or Jalen Hyatt's going to be the first of all off the board. But Mm. I think Cedric Tillman, I think Byron Young, um, did Brew McCoy declare? No, he's coming back. He's getting the Cedric Tillman role. Okay, year. okay, okay, okay. So those guys, and then Hendon Hooker, I think you'll see those guys somewhere on day two. Somewhere mm. on day two. I like it. That's good. Uh, more balls in the NFL. That's what everybody wants. VFLs, Cordell Patterson. I mean, Anthony Richardson is going to be drafted ahead of all of them, but it's okay. fine. Okay, well. Uh, it's fine. Everyone knows this. No, he, no here's the thing. I'm going to be nice to Trevor as we wrap up here because he has to watch Graham Mertz under center for at least half the season next year. Uh, I, don't have to, I don't have to do a damn thing. <laughs> Chase. He works for the PFF now. He is a unbiased member of, of the NFL. Oh, he's, he's doing NFL, though. College, he does, he can still media. be a Florida Gator. He can be listen, a Gator. Man, listen, yeah. man. He does draft stuff. Yeah. All right. Unbiased. There you go. Unbiased. Evan Swords, Trevor Sigma, uh, what can the good folks check out from you over on the YouTube show? Um, yeah. With you and Mike Renner. Anything else you want to plug as we wrap up here tonight? Uh, if you're into the NFL draft, I have a podcast called NFL Stock Exchange that I do with Connor Rogers three days a week where we're going – uh, up and down our draft boards as we are kind of getting into the heart of the draft season at this point. We've got all-star games coming up, so we're giving our rankings for all the positions this next month. And so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Come hang out with us there, too. Do it. Evan. As Trevor. always, as I say every single week, uh, make sure to go ahead and check out uh, It's Just Football. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. The NFL Stock Exchange. Mm-hmm. It's a great YouTube show. As I, I, I like every, it during the day. I like those week. day YouTube shows where I can have it on while I'm doing other stuff. See, that's, that, that, that was the goal, so I'm glad that it hit for you. That's yeah. Good. Appreciate it. Trevor, Evan, thank you as always, and uh, talk, to, talk to you guys again soon. Appreciate it, Chase. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.